for bringing us together once again. We thank you for your power that is effectively at work within us. Amen. We thank you, O oh God, for every day that we rise up to call on your name. You are laying inside of us building blocks of life that Amen. will lead us into our eternal inheritance. So, God, we thank you. We thank you, O oh God, you know, for perspective, to be able to lay hold of your perspective every day. We thank you, O oh God, for the spirit of revelation that has rested with us, O oh God. And every day that we have gotten up to pray, Jehovah, you have shown us new aspects of yourself by which we can come into the fullness of you. Father, we give you praise. Father, we thank you because we know that indeed you are summoning your people, O oh God, from the four corners of the earth, Jehovah. And we thank you because we do not walk alone, we do not ride alone. But even as you summon us, O oh God, even as you call us out of the places of darkness, out of the places of brokenness, out of the places of pain, even as you call us, O oh God, away from our previous you know, lives and our previous experiences and our previous pains, O oh God, Amen. even as you call us out of those places, Jesus, you are calling us, Amen. O God, into new experiences of light in your spirit. Amen. And so, Lord, we give you praise. We thank you, Father, because Amen. we have not been stagnant in our journey, because you have constantly quickened our feet, and you have Amen. been a light, O God, Amen. unto our feet, and, you know, a lamp Amen. unto our feet and a light unto our path. You have illuminated, yes. O God, Amen. our current position, and you have illuminated, O God, the path that is ahead of us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you because Amen. we do not sit in darkness. Thank you because we do not sit in ignorance. When the thank enemy you, came, oh God, to swallow us up in the in the wave of darkness, thank you for rising up, oh God. And thank you for Amen. pushing back the hand of the enemy. Thank you, Jesus, because each Amen. day, oh God, you quicken us by your commandments. You quicken us by your word. You quicken us, oh God, by your spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank, thank you, Father, you. because of what you thank are working you. in us in prayer, oh God. We are confident to step out each day knowing that every morning we wake up to an alignment with you. Thank you, precious Holy Spirit. Thank you. Father, we just give you praise. God, our hearts are filled with gratitude. Yes, we are grateful, God. Thank and even you, in a Lord. time of famine, oh Lord, you have, we are not in a famine of your voice. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, God, that we hear you daily. Because man, not only by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from you. Thank you because you give us your proceeding word. That's why we are able to live through it. Day. Thank you, God. And we thank you again for another day and for the bread that you have for us today. So we say, give us this day our today's bread. Give it, O God, with thanksgiving. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Good morning, everyone. You're welcome again to Prayer Rain. And um, I'm sure Stephanie might have mentioned it to all of us. You know, we just try, we're going to be trying this three Sundays we have in prayer rain. We're going to make them extend their times so that we can study, we can go deep into the world. So don't try rushing off, you know, um, when it is 6 a.m. Nigerian time or for us in PST when it's 10 p.m. or for those in EST when it's 1 a.m. Don't start rushing off um, because God has got a lot more for us. Um, this morning, we're going to be going deep into his word. In the past couple of days, we've looked at in the, in the whole theme, someone is army. Um, we've looked at someone, um, someone by the hand of the Lord, you know, someone by the spirit of the Lord, um, someone to the valley, We've looked at someone to a journey in the, in the wilderness. We've looked at someone to a tipping point. And today, you know, um, and we looked at someone to a query. And today we're just 
talking about someone, his army, you know, again. And um, we have a dear brother. He's my brother. You know, he's a minister of the gospel. He's a teacher, um, Prophet Adam, you know, who always comes to just strengthen us in God. And we know that, you know, in Ghana, it's one hour behind time. So Prophet Adam had to get up at 4 a.m., I believe, just to come um you know teach us and pray with us and you know i greatly appreciate that and prophet edem i'm sure everybody on this prayer call appreciates the fact that you know you would just rise up just to bless us so god bless you sir thank you sir uh, we're yeah. just going to give prophet edem you know an hour an hour 15 minutes to just take his time break god's word teach us you know what the lord is laying on his heart with regards to the army that God is so money. So get your pen, get your journal, please, guys. Let us steward the word of the Lord. It is not time to hear his word and say, oh, yes, I'm listening, I'm listening. It's not time to fall asleep. Sit up on your bed if you must. You are in the army of God. You know, you know when to rise up. You know when to stand. Go and wash your face if you must. You know, but it is the word of God that keeps us in alignment. You cannot go to battle without a battle strategy. And if you don't have the map, you will miss your way. You will run into the enemy's camp. So it is the word of God that is our map. It is the word of God that is our compass. So it's not enough for us to pray and pray in the spirit. It is these words we hear that brings understanding, you know, to us. So let us rise up. Let us get up. Let us sit up and listen as God blesses us. Thank you so much. Prophet Adam, you are welcome. Thank, Thank you. you. God bless you, sir. You can take over, sir. All right. Shalom to everybody. Um, we give God praise for um, this opportunity and um, thank you all so much for having us once again and uh, I, I greet Pastor Mo, Pastor EC, Stephanie, all the organizers and we say we, we, we thank God for such a theme in this, in this moment. Hallelujah. Um, summoning the army of God and I believe that our, 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 our theme scripture is in Second Timothy chapter 2, the verse 1. Now Paul says to Timothy, endow therefore my son Second Timothy 2, verse 1. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. 2 says that, and the things thou, that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Then he says in verse 3, that's our theme scripture, thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him whom hath chosen him to be a soldier. Hallelujah. Now, um, this, this scripture is one amazing text that, you know, oftentimes we quote, but um, there was a background to what was happening at this time. And what was going on, in the days that Paul wrote this epistle to Timothy was that, of course, as we all know, um, Timothy was the pastor in charge of the church of Ephesus, the Ephesian church. And at that time, he was a young man in his teenage years. And strangely enough, at one point in time, it was believed that um, the mother of Jesus was in that church and the mother and, and, and John the apostle was also in that church. And, and this was um, because when there was great persecution in Jerusalem before the great destruction of East, um, Jerusalem in AD 70, um, all these Christians, Jews, fled Jerusalem into these uh, Asia Minor provinces. And it so happened that though Timothy was a young man, he was actually pastoring a church where the mother of Jesus was present 
and John the Revelator was present prior to his being captured to the Isle, Isle of Patmos. Now, what happened at this time in particular was that um, persecution had come so much in those provinces uh, because at this time, the Ephesus was under the province of the Roman consulate. And this uh, caused a massive attack in the city of Ephesus. So Acts 19 says that in the city of Ephesus, so mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. And you remember that at some point in the city of Ephesus, some people were still causing riots and civil unrest, even in the city of Ephesus in Acts chapter 19. And at this time, Paul writes to Timothy because Nero had carried out systematic persecution against the church. Now, Emperor Nero Flavius was one of the youngest emperors in the Roman history. And apparently he was the one responsible for the burning down of Rome. And when he burned down Rome, he pinned it on Paul the Apostle so Paul could be arrested and beheaded and killed. But at this particular time, um, there was so much persecution in the city of Ephesus. Christians were being massacred, killed, hunted down, and the likes. And it got to a point in the church in Ephesus that the, the persecution was so high, a lot of the believers ran and left and fled the, the region. To the extent that many people who were part of the pastorate of the city of Ephesus, or church in Ephesus, ran themselves. And when they ran, Timothy was a little bit down. And that's why if you remember in the first chapter of the same second epistle, this this, this particular situation happened in the second epistle to Timothy. That was a personal letter. So the, the, the letter to the church was F, the book of Ephesians. The letter to the pastor was Timothy. So this letter to the pastor was a direct correspondence to the leader of the church in Ephesus. And he said to him that in, in, in chapter one, that he should remember the spirit he has received. And God has not given the spirit of fear and timidity. And because Timothy was now encumbered with the pressure and the persecution that was round about him, he was so scared, so afraid. And Paul said to him, God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but has given us a spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. And he should stir it up and begin to rally up the forces of the anointing that is in him to carry out the assignment God has given him. But in chapter 2, he's now talking about what he has to do in respect to his pastoral ministry. And he said to him that many people have run away. A lot of people have left you. But this is the, the thing I want you to do, Timothy. There are some people that are still around you. There are some people who have not run in the face of adversity. There are some people who have not given up in the face of the turmoils and the, the, the civil unrest. And this is what I want you to do. These men who still remained and did not give up on the ministry are the faithful men. Teach them the same things you have learned so that they will also learn it and be able to teach others. Then he comes to add the admonition that tells them to remain at post in spite of the problem. And this admonition says that, he says to him that, that you are a true soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ. And a soldier does not entangle himself, does not respond to life situations as a civilian does. So he's saying that for us who are called as soldiers of the Lord, in context, he's talking about how we are supposed to be rallied, how we are supposed to stay at our post, how we are supposed to stay intact in spite of negative, bad reports. And you remember he said, you know, once again to Timothy, that he should do the work of an evangelist. He should be instant in season and out of season. 
And in season is the word eukairos. Uh, 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 eukairos means that good times. Be instant. Stay at your post when things are good, when things are going well, when you are happy and everything is joyful. It says stay at your post. Then it says be instant out of season also in First, Second Peter chapter four verse two. That preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. Out of season is a kairos. A kairos means that in the times you are down, you're depressed, you're heartbroken, you're disappointed. It says still be instant. Let your zeal for the Lord be unwavering in present circumstances. And I believe that it it, it begins to show the personal picture we have to allow ourselves to show, even in these times that God wants to summon an army. And the summoning of the army of God is to summon a people that have a soldier's mentality. And the soldier's mentality is that in spite of bad, I mean, I, I see a lot of, you know, you watch a lot of war movies, you watch, especially the medieval ones. I mean, I mean, present day warfare is a little bit, you know, you, you, could, you, could, you could kill from a distance. But in medieval times, in the 1600s and the, you know, the Julius Caesar eras during those campaigns of, Pompeia and all those things, you look at people run towards each other with shields and swords and you're like, oh my God, they're going to cut themselves, but they're still running towards shouting, screaming. I mean, it's like they're ready to die because they had a mindset and the mindset was this, no matter how scary, no matter how intimidating, no matter how strong your opposition was. And the same posture David took, no matter how gigantic your opposition is, you always ought to run towards your opposition. And Bible says in the book of Samuel, 1 Samuel 17, when David had to meet Goliath, Bible says he charged against Goliath. No matter the size difference, he charged against Goliath. And I believe that as we get to understand the reality of what army God is summoning, we will come to realize that this army is not a mean mere army. It's an army that is a strong one. In Joel 3, he said, Oh Lord, fifth and now, send your mighty ones. The army of God is the Lord's mighty ones. The Lord has sent his mighty ones upon the face of the earth, and they begin, and they begin to manifest a chapter transition. They become the picture, the manifestation of a chapter transition, that we are transitioning into a certain phase of existence, a certain phase of manifestation, a certain phase in the face of hard, true, uh, um, strong present danger. There's coming a group of people where diseases matter not. There's coming a group of people where wars mean nothing because it says in the last days there shall be wars and rumors of wars. But the gospel of this kingdom shall be preached to every nation. So what then is God asking us to be rallied into? Now, Psalm 110 says, Jehovah said to Jehovah, my Lord said to my Lord, sit down on my right hand till I make thy enemies thy footstool. He said, the Lord shall send his rod of his scepter out of Zion. Rule thou in the midst of thine enemies. In the day of your power, the people shall be willing. In the beauty of holiness, thou hast the womb of the morning. Psalm 110, the verse 1 to 3. He says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit down at my right hand till I make thy enemies thy footstool. So Jehovah, that's the, 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 the Hebrew says, Jehovah said to Adonai. Jehovah said to Adonai. So this is Jehovah said to Jehovah. So God is speaking to God. So it's a conference of the Godhead discussing. And obviously from the uh, picture that is painted is 
Jesus Christ and the Father. So the Father is saying to Jesus, sit down at my right hand till I make thy enemies thy footstool. And how is he going to do that? In, a, in Hebrews chapter 10, the verse 11, it says that for every priest offers sacrifices and offerings, which oftentimes can never take away the sins of people. It said, but this man, when he offered once for all, for our sins, is sat down, henceforth, expecting that his enemies be made his footstool. In Hebrews chapter 10, the verse number 11 to 13, Jesus is the only priest that sat down. And when he sat down, he's expecting that his enemies be made his footstool. And this job of making his enemies his footstool has been given as the sole preserve of the army of God. We are to enforce his glorified, dignified position in his seated, majestic uh, 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 posture. We are them that must enforce his total dominion upon the face of the earth, as said in the scripture. So Jehovah says to Jehovah, sit down at my right hand till I make thy enemies thy footstool. So brothers and sisters, Jesus has conquered, but we must bring all the people. Of course, the picture is seen in the book of Judges chapter 10. When the five kings came against uh, uh, um, Joshua and the Bible says when Joshua had been defeated all these five kings that gang up against Israel Bible says he commanded after their defeat that they bring all the captains and their kings to the generals of the Jewish army and Bible says he, Joshua told the, the generals of the Jewish army that every one of you place your feet upon their necks place your feet on their necks and this is depictive of what God is expecting the church to do. Jesus has conquered the enemy, but he's expecting we capture, rally together all the spoils of the enemy and bring it to the Lord for him to place his feet upon. And this is why the army of God has been released. But much importantly, as we see it in this regard, why we have to have personal revival is because he says we have to have the mentality of a soldier. The revival we are talking about it's a revival that puts us in a place where we do not pendulate. We do not sink backwards. You know, sometimes we are hot today, tomorrow we go off. That consistency, a revival of consistency, a revival of sustained power. The Bible speaks about the fire of the Lord concerning the burnt offering in Luke in Leviticus chapter 6, that the fire must be ever burning. The fire must be ever burning. The evening and the morning sacrifice, the fire must ever be burning on the altar. And he says that in Psalm 110, the verse number 1, he said, Jehovah said to my, my Lord, sit down right until I make thy enemies thy footstool. The Lord shall send his rod of his scepter out of Zion, rule thou in the midst of his people. He said, in the days of his power, in the days of his power. Now, the word power here, interestingly, is actually the Hebrew word for forces or army, forces or army. So he's saying that in the days of his army, in the days of his forces, he said the people shall be willing so the proof that we have entered into the time, the season of the forces of the army of God is that the people will become willing. Now we know from, from the scriptures that Israel never advanced without the army. The army was always the means by which Israel advanced. And the advancement of Israel was that 
they moved with the presence of God preceding them as the Ark of the Covenant and the army following. And this army was a youthful army. Now, youthfulness in the scripture has nothing to do with the age per se. Of course, it was depicted in the Old Testament by age. But youthfulness in the scripture has to do with our years of strength, our years of vigor, our years of influence, our years of capacity, our years of ability, our years of time. So then again, the army follows the presence of the, the, the ark of the Lord to go wage war. And strangely enough, without the waging of the war of this army, the young women, the old women, the children are always taken captive. So the army of God is so pivotal for the church survival. The army of God is so pivotal for the staying of Lucifer from encountering and besieging the premise of, 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 of the advancement of the church. Mind you, God created man for three major things. Number one, for his glory. Number two, for his praise. Number three, for his service. Okay, now they are, they are to, we have to understand that just not for ourselves, but for the Lord's glory, just not for our own aggrandizement and celebration, but for the praise of the Lord, and much more for the service to our God. So when I come to understand the original intention for which I have a job, the original intention for which I have been promoted, for the original intention for which I got a scholarship to go study, in perspective, that the perspective is this, I am here with these credentials for the assignment God has given me. I love the scripture where when Solomon was about to build the temple, Bible says he called for a certain Sidonian man called Huram Abi. And Huram Abi was a Danitish, his mother was Danitish, and his father had stayed in Tyre of Sidon and had been trained in the artificer's work of building and crafting the beautiful caverns in auditoriums. And Solomon called this man to be the one to shape and fashion the gold and design everything that was required for the building of the temple. What we are trying to say is this, that a lot of us, and, and if you read scripture well, Dan actually at some point, you know, when Jacob was um, prophesying about Dan, he spoke about how Dan is an adder in the sand that bited the horse's hoof. And the reason was that, you know, at some point in Israel's history, Dan actually carried Israel and introduced idolatry and opened a caveat for idolatry to enter in the times of the judges. And this actually caused God to be offended and bored and even called Dan a tribe of evil. But out of even this tribe of evil, Bible says a man came out called Huram Abi that was useful for the building of the, of the, of the, of the, of the temple. And this is a picture of what we have learned. Today, our educational system is kind of arranged by the enemy. The Bible says, the God of this world has blinded their minds from seeing the glorious light, which is in the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. And the word God of this world, the word world there is the word cosmio or cosmos. And cosmos is from arrangement, systems. So it's actually saying, according to 2 Corinthians 4, 4, that the God of the systems has blinded our eyes. So today, the world is systematized by Satan. Satan has systematized politics, has systematized uh, education, has system in fact, the more people go to school, so you get people who do their masters and they're okay, but when they get to PhD in certain environments, they start to question the, 
deity and existence of God because Satan has systematized the educational system to eradicate and take God out of schools because this God of this system is systematizing the systems to be able to cause us to lose focus of God. So nevertheless, in all our educational training by these satanic systems of you know, training, God still picks us out for his service. He caused Israel to leave Egypt and said, let my people go, not so they can have fun. Let my people go, not so they can build their own houses. Let my people go, not so they can go do what they want to do. Let my people go so they can serve me. So God delivered us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his marvelous life to serve him. So brother, sister, just have at the back of your mind that if you are work, working, you are, you, are, you are exercising, you are meeting friends, you are hanging out with people, the goal of everything you call social, every interaction you find yourself in is actually an opportunity from the Holy Spirit to serve the agenda of God. Remember in 2 Corinthians 5.20, ye are the ambassadors of Christ. If we are ambassadors of a nation, and of course Nigeria has embassies. Now, if, 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 if the embassy of Ghana has a, an ambassador present in Nigeria and does not stand for the interest of the people in Ghana, the president has the prerogative to be able to call this ambassador back home. And that's why some people die before their time. It's not God, it's not the, it's not the enemy that killed them. It was just that some people were not doing what God asked them to do here. So he got to call them home because you are not representing the kingdom as you ought to represent. Our citizenship is from heaven, from whence we look. But the beautiful thing about Psalm 110, the verse 3 says that in the day of thy power, in the day of the army, in the day of your army, the people will be willing. The Hebrew says the people will be free will offerings. There is going to be a dilute of willingness when people realize that this army is crucial for the advancement of the work of God. And so people will now freely offer themselves in the days of the army of God. In the days of the army of God, and in Numbers chapter 10, the Bible speaks about when the silver trumpet was blown, it was an alarm in Israel, so that the elders gathered, and all the young men who were below uh, from age 20 and above were chosen to be part of the army, were chosen to be part of the army. How is this willingness going to be achieved? How is this willingness going to be achieved? First Chronicles chapter 29 says that, the people offered willingly. And the Lord asked the question through the, the man David and said, who is willing today to consecrate and sanctify himself unto the Lord? It's a question God is asking us. And people often think that sanctification is a very difficult uh, uh, um, agenda. Sanctification is a very difficult process. Well, that, for the Old Testament, there were pictorial presentations of sanctification. But in the New, because of Jesus Christ, sanctification is simply this. He said to Moses in Numbers 20, that because you believed me not and sanctified me not before Israel, thou shalt see the promised land, but thou shalt not enter therein. What it means to say is this, that sanctification is putting God's interest first above every other thing. 
That is how to sanctify God in your heart. To sanctify God in your heart means, the word sanctify is to set apart. It means God is placed in a certain status in your heart as the primus inter pares. No one can compare to him. No friend's advice, no peer pressure, no uh, societal pressure can stand against the counsel of God as he is spoken to you. Because only God's voice matters in this journey of being part of the army. So he says that every true soldier must only have one goal, to please his general, to please his master, who he, whom has called him to be part of this glorious army. So we have only one agenda, to only please, to only please, to only please the one who has called us to be part of this army. And that basically is the explanation for sanctifying the Lord in your heart. So sanctifying the Lord in your heart means that God told Moses that speak to the Lord. But the people provoked Moses and he did otherwise. And God said, he didn't sanctify me before them. You showed wrongly what I was even feeling. Number two, you didn't even care what I had to say. Remember in Hebrews chapter 12, the verse 16, scripture speaks about Esau and it says, lest ye be a fornicator and a profane as Esau, who for a morsel of bread exchanges birthright. And the word profane there in the Greek is the word bebalos. Bebalos means that one who has no respect for sacred things, one who does not consider sacred things. And I meditated on that scripture, I noticed that it's a sacred thing for God to tell you to pray for somebody. It is something on God's heart. Don't wake up and pray the time, at the time you want to pray. That is being a despiser of sacred things. It's a sacred thing for God to, because I'm telling you, as, 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 as much as God is willing to speak to us, he's only willing to speak to those who are ready to listen. That's how rare it looks like. So it's like God can speak, but if you are not willing to listen, he's not going to necessarily waste his time to speak to you. And the beautiful thing about the voice of the Lord is that the more you listen, the more the volume of his voice amplifies in your life. So it don't, we, we, we have to learn not to be profaneness of that which God has given us. And watching a movie, God says, stop watching the movie, go pray. You're, you're just, you wake up at 5 a.m. or 3 a.m. out of the blue without any reason. Someone is on your heart at that time, at that particular moment. Sanctifying the Lord in your heart and not being profane means that, Holy Spirit, why am I up at this time? And as I kneel down to begin to pray, I begin to see the glory of God begin to manifest. But this is the mystery behind personal revival. This is the mystery behind personal revival. The Bible says in Titus chapter 3, verse 5, that not by works of righteousness that any man should boast, but by his own mercy he has saved us. By the washing of regeneration and by the renewing of the spirit. In Titus 3.5. Now this renewing of the spirits in the Greek is the word anakinosis hagios numa. Anakinosis hagios numa. Anakinosis is the principle or is a process, you know, in, 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 in that, that actually occurs as a persistent continual renewal. So what he's saying is that we are saved by the renewing of the Holy Ghost, but our salvation status is maintained by a present continuous working of the Spirit. Bible speaks about a power that is already at work in us. Now this power that is at work in us continually puts us in a place of renewal. Remember in Romans 8, 11, it says, if the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, then he shall quicken your mortal bodies. So there's a continual quickening by the Spirit of God inside us. Because he's saying something that when we come to this place of being willingly offered to the Lord, it becomes a, a Bible calls it the beauty of holiness. The literal Hebrew says that it is the splendor of consecration. 
God sees that action of willingly submitting ourselves to him as a splendor of consecration. Without that willing submission to the Lord, there is no splendor of consecration. I often give this example in Acts chapter 1, when on the day Jesus was taken up to heaven, Bible says it was around 500 people that were gathered. And remember, Bible says he had given commandments to his disciples to tarry in Jerusalem. So out of these 500 people, Acts 2 says there were 120 people gathered in the upper room. And I asked myself many times, I said, Lord, how, how come? He said, yes, that's how life is. I gave a law and instruction to 500 people, but it was only 120 that tarried till the spirit came. In other words, it's likely that on the first day, 500 were gathered. And after the first day, many were bebalos, profane. So they were like, what are we waiting for? What spirit are we expecting? Is it a wind? Is it, a, is it fresh air? What, what, I mean, so after the first day, someone was like, I can't waste my time doing this. Second day, what, what's happening? Third day. So many times today, people are supposed to be online, you know, watching services and studying the word of God. And they cannot stay on a service live feed for an hour. They go in and out. And the painful part is, it's not even because of any chore that they have to do, but they are probably checking sports whilst listening to the service. This, this is the action of what happened on the day of Pentecost. So 500 were gathered, but the number kept reducing because not everybody was, was, was prepared for what was happening. No wonder the scripture used very definitive modifiers. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place expecting, and then the Holy Ghost showed up. So in other words, till 120 were united in mind, thought, purpose, the Spirit wasn't coming. It could have taken 10 months. But once upon a time, it took 10 days to achieve one accord. It took 10 days to come to the fullness of what God was about to pour. Because clearly, understand this, it was in the season of Pentecost. And if you were very good student in the Bible, Pentecost was not just a day, it was an entire week. So God could have brought it on the seventh day or the 17th day or the 16th day, but he brought it on the day they were now in one accord with just the 120 he was looking for to pour out his spirit. So willingness that we show to him is actually the art and the picture of consecration, the beauty of consecration, the splendor of consecration that we show to God. The beauty of consecration, the splendor of consecration that we show to God. And so Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 17, that if I do it willingly, then I have a reward. But if not, he said, I have no reward. If I do it against my will, it's a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. I can't do it against my will because it's only when I do it willingly that I have a reward. And how then do I come to the place where my service, my revelation to God is willing? In that reality of action and service, God said to the people, that when the lost army is gathering, it's an army that is not going to be coerced. It's an army that are people, full of people that are willing to be part of it. No wonder when Paul was speaking to Timothy, he says, the men who did not run away because of circumstances. He said many times, the men who did not despise the ministry because of opportunities, but stayed with you. He says, such men are called faithful men. So commit what you know to their hands. Commit what you know to their hands. Commit what you know to their hands so that you will see the glory and the manifestation of God even in the church today. What we are talking about in Romans 12 is clearly explained. He says in Romans 12 that uh, I want to read it in Romans chapter 12. The Apostle Paul, as he spoke in Romans 12, says, I beseech you therefore, verse 1, 
brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. He said, present your bodies living sacrifices, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And the point is this, Paul said, I beseech you. I beseech you. The word beseech here is the word paracalio, which was a military word that was used for rallying up the army prior to a battle. So prior to any battle in medieval uh, swordsmanship or in warfare, medieval warfare, the soldiers were lined up and the general stood and sat on a horse, sorry, and rode in front of them, rallying them. Some Viva Roma, Viva Roma in the days of the Roman conquest. And he spoke different chants to rally up people for them to be ready to die. They were rallied up to a place where they believed they were dying for a right cause and they were dying to become legends and become people of influence in the afterlife. These without the crown, these without Christ believed there was a blessing and there was a miracle and there were tales of stories to be told of them if they were valiant in battle. How much more we who have the truth and the real blessing in the city of glory in eternity that God says, I'll give you a reward. How much more us, Paul now says to us, now I beseech you, I rally you now. I stir you up as the army of God. But how do you become a proper army? You must present yourself. The army is not one that has people who are half in, half out. They are people who have presented themselves. Now it says a living sacrifice. It means that come as you are dead. In Ghana, we have some missionaries that came from Switzerland. They were called the Basel Mission, which of course we know is the Presbyterian movement. They came all the way from Switzerland to Ghana. And in somewhere in the eastern region, they came and when they were coming, they came with their coffins as their suitcases. In other words, they were coming to work for God to die. They didn't come to live. You, and, and when you go to the Eastern region right now in, the, in, in, in some part of Ghana, and you see the list of young missionaries that came from 18 to 25. That, the eldest was 25, 26. Young men that left their country to come preach the gospel to us. They came to die. That is the principle of being a living sacrifice. It's no more about what you want. As a soldier, it is irrespective of what is going around you. Because until we come to that perspective to understand that it's God's work he's doing, it's God's agenda he's doing, of course, we will have benefits as we follow him. But the main goal of it is not us. We are not the center of activity on this earth. God is the center of activity on this earth. So we have to now line ourselves up to say, Lord, it is what you are doing that I'm interested in. And so I like what the Apostle Paul said, whether by life or by death, that Christ might be glorified through me. So we have to come to that place that the magnification of Christ is whether by life or death, then we like it that way. God is going to use a lot of us as stories. I always ask God the question, why did you have to do this to Abraham? And God said to me, he said, Abraham had to wait. And in waiting, he became the picture of faith. And that's why I said, even in Hebrews chapter 10, that ye have need of patience after you have done the will of God, that ye might obtain the promise. So he's saying that the picture of how you get your promise is after you have done everything I ask you to do, 
have patience. And I will glorify myself because patience must have its perfect way. So we have to understand the virtues and the dealings of God. The one who has called us unto glory and virtue. He didn't call us unto shame and disgrace. He called us unto glory and virtue. As the scripture said in 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 3, we have been called to glory and virtue. So we have to learn to trust that person. And as we trust that person, our willing sacrifice to him. Notice he didn't say that ye may sacrifice yourself. Neither did he say ye may yield yourself out of coercion. By saying that he may present yourself. Presentation is different from yielding. Presentation is different from uh, um, coercion. It's different from sacrificing. He said that he may present. It means I must willingly bring myself to the altar and say, Lord, I'm ready for you. I'm ready to be part of this army. I'm ready, whether by life or death, to be part of this army. No wonder Paul the Apostle, after all the 40 years of ministry, knelt down in the, in the time of Philippi, in Philippi when he was finalizing his last um, prison trip. And he said, Lord, that I may know you and the power of your resurrection be made confirmable through your death. He said that it, the fellowship of your suffering. Paul was praying that God, after every trouble predicament I've gone through, before I die, I want to experience the fellowship of your suffering. And one day I heard Pastor Benny Hinn say that he told God that before he dies, God should allow him to experience the fellowship of his sufferings. That was prior to the time his, before his wife said he wanted to divorce him. So when I heard him say that, and some years later his wife divorced him and all that, I said, oh, then the Holy Spirit said, that's the beginning of the fellowship of my suffering. There are things God will make you go through and it look like a disgrace. It is called the fellowship of the suffering. You endure the shame of the cross you are bearing. There is something you are bearing that makes you look shameful. But he says, you must learn to endure it because you were a soldier, a soldier in season and out of season. Things are bad, but you are, you are excited. Things are good, you are still excited. In fact, you are not excited by what is without. You are always excited because of what is within. And until you come to this revelation, we cannot freely, willingly present ourselves. And the army requires willing submissions of wills for the work of God to be done. In the book, of uh, um, um, John 17, Matthew 17, we hear the story of how Jesus went to a place called Gethsemane, Matthew 26. He went to a garden called Gethsemane, which was at the foot of the Mount Olives. Now, this is a very beautiful picture in Israel. And the Mount Olives was a mountain range where a lot of olive trees are planted on. And it was like an olive orchard where, you know, all these olives were planted. So they, at, at harvest time, they gather all the whole olives and they get to a garden which was close to the base of the mountain, and that garden was called Gethsemane. And Gethsemane is a Hebrew word, which is from two words, Shemen and Gath. Gath, Shemen, Gath, Shemen. Gath is press, Shemen is oil. So actually Gethsemane in the Hebrew um, dialect means the oil press. In other words, what happened on the mount was that the olives were plucked and was carried to Gethsemane. And Gethsemane had a big boulder with a stone that was used to grind the olive fruit for the oil to be produced. And Jesus Christ, prior to the climbing and the ascent to the cross, had to go to Gakshimen, to the oil press. And the reason why I had to go to the oil press was this, so that everything that was his will, everything that was still personal to him, that was not personal to God, he had to allow God to break it down and press it out of him. So he says in Gethsemane, the Lord, not my will. He never said that once, ever in his ministry. Only at Gethsemane, he says, not my will, O Lord, but your will be done. 
because that was the place he was being pressed. Even on the same boulder he knelt upon. And Bible says he was vexed and he was full of sorrow and full of, you know, uh, 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 the weight of what was about to happen was all over him and come back around about to sorrow. And Bible says as he wept, his blood, blood streaked out of his sweat and it came as blood droplets that fell upon the rock. And Bible says an angel was sent to encourage and strengthen the Lord. Now, so Paracalio, like I'm saying, is a certain word that was used to rile up the army for the battle, to stir them up, prepare to the battle. So Paul was saying that, I beseech you, and he was using a military word. So to present yourself a living sacrifice implies that we are entering a battle. So present yourself as good as dead. Present yourself as good as dead, not having feelings, not having anything, but just having the feeling of God, having the emotions of God. Till we come to the place, listen, I've learned this thing through the hard way many times. The only reason you have satisfaction in this life, and I, I remember C.S. Spurgeon said it, he says, the unsatisfied life is often a product of the unsurrounded will. The unsatisfied life is a product of the unsurrounded will. Till your will is fully surrounded, to the Lord, to do what he wants, you will always be unsatisfied, even as a child of God. You always feel there's something you are missing out. Why are you not getting this? Because of the unsurrendered will. And brother and sister, that begins the fall of decline. That begins the fall of decline. One great saint said, he said, <laughs> that blessed my heart so much. He says, neglected closet is the beginning of all spiritual decline. Neglected closet is the beginning of all spiritual decline. And why am I saying what I'm saying? He used the word parakalio, but the word parakalio in the Greek actually is the word parakletos. You get the word parakletos from parakalio. Now, parakletos is actually the same word that is used to describe the Holy Spirit who is our helper. So the parakletos is the one who is our helper, who helps us. So Paul is using a very interesting phraseology over here that I beseech you, but in this beseech or this admonition before we die, before we fight, before we surrender ourselves as living sacrifices, in this admonition is the supply and help from the Spirit of God to answer to the admonition. So he's saying that God is admonishing us and in the response to the admonition, the supply to do what is requiring for us is in the admonition. And that is what the word parakletos is, from parakali. And that supply to do what the admonition is asking for us is the Holy Spirit. Now, I'll say this today. The Holy Spirit is not here to do things for us. He is here to do things with us, not for us, with us. So if the Holy Spirit is going to pray, the Holy Spirit, he says, uh, uh, <laughs> he says uh, uh, in Romans 8, verse 26, he says that, you know, for we know not what we ought to pray for, as we should, but the Spirit itself helpeth our infirmity. He said, we know not what we ought to pray for as we should. So it means I'm already praying. Then the Spirit can now help me. Because the word help there is the word sun anti lambanomai, which means to say some, some is coming together, add anti is against, lambano is to hold. So the Spirit adds himself together with me against whatever I want to deal with. So without me praying, the Spirit cannot help. And, and that's the mistake we do. We think that the, the Holy Spirit is not sent to help. In fact, the word sun anti lambanomai it's only used in the Greek, in the whole New Testament twice. 
the word help, as that particular phrase in Romans 8.26, that same word help, helpeth, is the same word that was used in Matthew chapter 10 in 41 and 42, when uh, Luke chapter 10, sorry, uh, when, when, when Jesus had spoken up to, to Mary and Martha, and Martha came to tell Jesus that for Mary does not want to help her. Now, no, when he said Mary is not helping me, he didn't say Mary should take over the job. He said Mary should come and help me. It's the same word, it means Mary should come and join me. And help me do the chores. That's what the Holy Spirit does in a believer's life. The Holy Spirit does not take over your prayer. He assists you in prayer. The Holy Spirit does not take over your Bible reading. He assists you in Bible reading. So listen, the Holy Spirit is never going to lift up a Bible and bring it to you and say, oh, my son, this is the Bible. You've not read it in a week, so start reading. No, until I open the book, the Holy Spirit's work is not activated. So this is the reality we have to understand that when the Holy Spirit is activated, he's only activated by my willingness. He is activated by my willingness. The will of God is also founded on the willingness of a man. God's will can be truncated. In fact, according to the book of Psalm 78, that in Psalm 78, the Bible says that, and they limited the Holy One of Israel. How can you limit the unlimited one? Because they murmured in unbelief. So you can limit God because God is a gentle, gentle God. He's a gentle spirit. So without you, availing yourself by your so our acts of faith our acts of giving our acts of prayer our acts of worship is a picture to god that i'm willing for your intervention i am willing for you to step in this matter so as long as i'm quiet and i go like look but you can see what i'm going through god is also saying but you've not spoken to make me realize you want me to help you so our willingness is expressed in our presentation if I don't learn to present myself at the altar of prayer or present myself on the altar of fasting, present myself in my giving of my time, my money, my resources, my intelligence, that lack of presentation prevents paracletos from taking over a matter and assisting us. So the Holy Spirit is so key. And I like what Jesus said in Acts 1, the former treatise of everything to do to the concerning all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. Then he says in, in verse 4 and verse 5, he said, John surely baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Then he said, when they had gathered together, they began to argue and wonder, has the Lord come to restore unto us the kingdom at this time? And he said, the times and the seasons knoweth no man, but the Father has reserved in his power. But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Then in verse 2, chapter 2, sorry, in chapter 2 of the scripture, we understand that when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all gathered in one place in one accord. Then the room they were in was first filled, and they themselves were also filled. So there were two fillings on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2, the verse number 2, it says that suddenly there came a sound of the from heaven as a machine and filled the house where they were sitting. So the house was the, the, when the when the sound came from heaven, the house was what was first filled. Then in verse three, it said, Then appeared on ten clothing tongues of fire, and the Holy Ghost in verse four filled them. Then they were all filled. So the house was first filled so that the people could be filled. Now I shared it before when when we're doing the 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 the, the word first in two, in June 2019. And I shared that when God has to fill us he has to now put us in the containment and buffer environment where when he fills us, we will not explode. So every time God is coming to fill you, so I'm telling you something today, if you feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost upon your life in your room, you feel it in your office, get to know this. You are already in the swimming diluge of power and his presence. The place you find yourself in is first filled. Then you yourself begin to feel the infilling. Why am I talking about infilling? 
the secret to the anointing, the secret to the flow of power, the secret to this soldier's life in the spirit is the picture of the infilling. The picture of the infilling. And I'm saying this, that the infilling comes at our presentation. When we are besieged, in the besiege is the energy to carry out what he's asking us. It is my willingness to allow this besiege to work on me that causes me to present myself. And when I'm come to present myself, the presentation of myself is that which causes the infilling and the strengthening of the spirit. And I believe that the best gift God ever gave us was the Holy Ghost. Matthew chapter 7, 11, Luke chapter 11, 13 spoke about how then how we that are evil can give good things to our children. Then he says, how much more the father shall he not give you the Holy Spirit when you ask him? In other words, in the realm of the spirit or in actual sense in life, the Holy Spirit is the good things of life. There's only one good thing in life is the Holy Spirit. Remember, there are 7,000 promises in the scripture. The Bible calls the spirit, according to Acts 1, according to Hebrews chapter 11, their promise. So there are 7,000 promises, but he is, the Holy Spirit is their promise. In other words, without the promise, I can't access the promises. <laughs> I need the promise to access the promises. Without the Holy Spirit, I cannot access the promises. So the revival we are looking for, and like what Titus 3 uh, mentioned, is based on the work of the renewing power of the Spirit in our lives. So the Spirit now brings the surge of life into my life. And he's the most important person in my life. Now, in the New Testament, it is more important to see than to do. It's more important to see than to do. Why? Now, in, 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 in the realm of the spirit, knowledge is the highest commodity you can ever experience. Because you see, without knowledge, you can, you can act wrongly and can operate even powerful systems wrongly because you don't know what you're doing. See, uh, Lucifer knew that Adam was connected to creation. Adam didn't have an idea. Adam thought that everything that he was connected to was just in the garden. He didn't know that he was connected to the descendants to come. He didn't know that he was connected to the trees, the horses. He didn't know any, but Lucifer knew it. And the strange thing is that until Lucifer took the dominion from Adam and looked at the four when he met Jesus Christ, he told Jesus Christ, all the kingdoms have been given to me. Who gave it to Lucifer? Adam. Adam gave it to Lucifer. Do you know even Lucifer stole the key for parliamentarian meetings in the heavens? So that in Job 1, when the angels appeared, because he had taken something from Adam, he could legally appear in heaven and God didn't sack him because God had dispatched him earlier on. So what is this outcast, this exiled person showing and doing in heaven? He has this dominion of Adam. So he has the ticket. He has the, 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 the house ticket to be able to show up in a parliamentary meeting in heaven. So Bible said, when the sons of God gathered, Satan too was there because he had taken the dominion from Adam. And Adam didn't realize that, that Lucifer was using him to fulfill his own agenda. I will be like God. I will have my seat in the congregation of the gods. And he stole it from Adam. Now he could sit in the presence of the gods and have meetings with the Godhead. Adam didn't know what was going on. That's why in the New Testament and in the, in the, in the Paul often prayed and said that the eyes of our understanding will be enlightened, that we may know. Because if we don't know, we'll give up a lot of things, we'll shortchange ourselves, it will look like it's a good life, but I'm telling you, if it's not what God has designed for you, you only have it to want to live and walk away from it. You, you have to just be serious about it. You have to just be serious and sensitive about it. The reality is this, brothers and sisters. The reality is this. 
that once we've come into Christ, he gave us the spirit. This is the spirit of the age to come. And the beautiful thing about this spirit is that he's not just the spirit of the age to come. He's also the spirit that predated the formation of the earth. He was a spirit that hovered over the water. So when we talk about institutional memory, the Holy Ghost is your bracket point. The Holy Ghost is the only means by which you're able to know ancient matters that are not available in any textbook because he was the spirit that hovered over the waters before God said, let there be light. He predated the formation of the earth. And I say, Jesus said to the apostles, if you don't tarry, you cannot do what I'm about to send you to do. And if the Lord says we should tarry till we be filled, then brothers and sisters, we have to learn to tarry till we are filled. He said the young men will walk and utterly fail, the young lions will suffer hunger, but they that wait upon the Lord shall mount up with wings. That, 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 that picture is so beautiful in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 30 and 31. It's so beautiful because you see, he says you see the young men, they'll walk and be weary. So you see people walking and God says, stand. Others will be running and God said, don't move, stand. Wait for me. And you don't move, you know, horizontally on the path. They are going, running. Some are walking. But I said, when they walk, because their own effort, they'll be tired. Because their own effort, they'll faint. They'll start breathing and panting for air. But you wait for me. And how do you wait? You wait for the wind of the spirit. And it's effortless. So what he says is this. I will carry you. You don't use your effort. And once you don't use your effort, you don't get tired. You never get tired when the spirit is doing through you what he wants to do. You only get tired. Now listen to me. You only get tired when you start in the spirit and pack the, the, the spirit and say, I want to take over from here. You only get tired when you do this. But when you do, according to the leading of the spirit, everything changes. So the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, he said, do not be drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be being filled. Present tense continues. It means that we wake up in the morning, be filled. We wake up in the afternoon, be filled. We wake up in the evening, be filled. We sleep at night, be filled. Why? The most important assignment, the most important, uh, 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 what do you call it, agenda you should have every and any day you wake up is so that I am filled. You got to speak to the Holy Spirit and say, Lord, fill me. Lord, fill me. Why? When the Holy Spirit fills you, because he is the promise, according to Hebrews chapter 11, the verse number 39, it says that, and all these obtained good reports without faith, but did not receive the promise because God preserved for us something better so that they without us are not made perfect. So Moses, Elijah, uh, Elisha, Daniel, they all obtained good reports through faith. But they didn't have the Holy Ghost, who is the promise. We do. We do. So we have a higher advantage. We have a blessed advantage beyond what they could do. And the reason is because we have not realized that this Holy Ghost is our advantage. We ought to wait for him. If we do not learn to wait for him, the advantage we have will become a disadvantage. In fact, the promise you have received will not be promising at all. Because we've not learned how to engage the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is not going to move you from your bed and, you know, sometimes people go like, Holy Spirit, move me from your bed. No, no, no. He's going to nudge you. You have to respond to the nudge. And our response to the power of you is he now taking over and energizing us to carry out what he's asked to do. I always tell people, when you walk in the Spirit and you tell the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, wake me up at 5 a.m. I want to pray. He will come and touch your leg. Or you, it, it, it's, it's as if something you're just dreaming, you heard your, heard your name. Someone just shout your name, Adam. Or it's like you dreamt and all of a sudden, strangely enough, you woke up. And the beautiful thing about the Lord is that most of the times he gives you five minutes head start. So you wake up at 3.55. 
because he knows you're going to play that dilly dally on the bed and I'm still, still tired. I want to wake up. The Holy Ghost woke you up. Do you know something? When you woke up, you force yourself to sleep because every sleep by his waking up energized you even if you slept for just two hours. Because in his instruction is the energy to carry out what he has asked you to do. If you do it outside that five o'clock, you realize that now you wake up and you feel more tired after trying to rest more than if you had woken up at 5 a.m. And when you now wake up to pray, the energy and the zeal, it's like you are praying, hitting the wall. Because this, you see, God does not want you to pray 10 hours. As against the five minutes he asks you to give him. He wants that five minutes he asks at that particular time. It's like, it's like when you're married, you know, you, you can buy the whole world to your wife. You can buy all the cars in this world to your wife. But if you don't give her attention, the gifts mean nothing. It's the same with the Holy Ghost. You can sacrifice as much as you want. No wonder he said to obey is better than sacrifice. If you don't respond to that five minutes, Adam, kneel down. Lord, why? Just kneel down and speak in tongues. And I start speaking in tongues. The Holy Ghost says, thank you very much. It's done. And I don't obey that. And I come out of the, of the spirit. And it's like, okay, Lord, you asked me to pray. And I'm, then I'm, he's not speaking now. Then I'm forcing him to speak. Then, when he, then I'm, I'm using my own mind to now pray. Now he's not assisting me. So I get tired. It's drudgery. It's painful. I don't feel like praying again. And this is why after a while, we become darling, indolent. It's like we don't feel like praying again. If you only prayed as the Spirit made you pray, it will no more be mechanical. It will be a joyous intercourse. You start praying, you can't stop. You, in fact, you go to town and you are in a hurry to get home to pray because it's so nice because the Holy Ghost is your energizer. The most important thing you will ever do as a Christian in your life, in your walk with God, is to tell and learn how to be filled. Just avail yourself to be filled. Avail yourself to be filled. Say, Lord, fill me. Like, you just have to avail, position yourself in a place where you are going to be filled. Because without, without this, you are, you are going to put yourself in a position where now, though you are supposed to be filled and, and assisted by the Holy Spirit, you are missing out. You are missing out on a lot of blessings. You are missing out on a lot of miracles because you have not availed yourself for the infilling of the Spirit. Allow the Holy Spirit. You know, I, I, I once realized one thing. As a man of God, I'm a minister of the gospel. There are days, I, I don't listen to the Holy Ghost. So I wake up in the morning, I go like, okay, today's Monday. I'll be preaching on Friday. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I can relax. Thursday, I'll start preparing. You'll be surprised. The Holy Ghost will come on Tuesday and say, Adam, start preparing a message now. I'm like, why? I'm free the whole week. Why? It says prepare now. And I go like, no, I mean, I'm free. So why should I prepare now? There's nothing coming up. The moment I disobey, Wednesday, I'll be so busy with emergencies. Thursday, so busy with emergencies. Friday, dawn, I'm under pressure. And because it's not in the spirit, it's all efforts. I'm begging God, Lord, what, 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 is that? what must I say? And I'm just lost. If I only obeyed on Tuesday, by the time the emergency showed up, I would have understood why he told me, if I don't prepare now, I might never have time to prepare again. This is the wind of the spirit. Waiting on God adds weight to your spirit. Your waiting on God adds weight to your spirit. So anytime you feel underweight in the spirit, you have been weighed, you have been measured and found wanting, just go wait on the Lord. Then you have weight in the spirit. Your impact will be indelible. When you tamp your feet in the morning, it vibrates in the camp of the enemy because there is weight on what you just did. But when you don't wait on God, You'll be as light as a feather. 
born again, but no waiting. So there's no weight added to your value in the spirit. Learn to wait. The cave is good for you. You know what the Bible says in Genesis? The Hebrew for Genesis is Barashit in the beginning. Then the next, the, 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 I mean, and, and the next one, Exodus, is Shemot, names. Then the next one is Leviticus, in Varika, in which is also to be called out. The numbers is in the wilderness, Bamida. Then the last one is actually Deuteronomy, which is to hear his words. It's the same word for Davarim. So when you add the Pentateuch, you know, Moses' five books, Genesis to Deuteronomy, and read it in the Hebrew, translated. This is how it reads. Genesis is in the beginning. Exodus is names. Leviticus is called out. Numbers is in the wilderness. Deuteronomy is to hear his words. So this is what it means. In the beginning, names were called out in the wilderness to hear his word. So the wilderness is designed for you to hear his word. God puts you in caves and in uh, uh, inactive situations, things aren't working, so you can hear his words. So God deliberately took Israel to the to dryness, to to to, to desert situations, so they could hear God well, because there were too many distractions, too many distractions around. So He carries us into the wilderness. So He calls out names, and Bible says, "We, the church, we are the called out ones." So actually, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy is a picture of the church. In the beginning, God has already called us. No wonder Scripture says in Ephesians one, in, in He already called us in eternity according to the will of His of, 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 of the counsel of God. So we have been called out before eternity, and we are not just called out; we are called out by names. He has named us. Glory to God. He said, "We are them that are named by the Father," and as He named that he called us and when he called us he called us so that we'll just do one thing one assignment to hear his voice just to hear his voice just to hear his voice so i'm called out to hear him i'm called out into a place i'm called out to a place where i lost my job not because god is wicked god says you are too busy you are not hearing me you are missing the purpose you are missing the agenda it is not 120 uh, 12 million naira per year salary i want you to get it is because i want you to do something for me but you have become all about the money so i'm gonna cost you to lose this job so you can hear me well so now when you hear me i can reintroduce you into work that's what it means I can reintroduce you to work so you can hear me and know why you are there now. So every desert you get a breakup is because God wants you to hear him well concerning relationships. Don't just begin to beat yourself up. Just separate yourself and say, Lord, I need to hear you well concerning relationships. The goal is to be filled. Brothers and sisters, the goal is to be filled. I remember Smith Wilkinson of Blessed Memory said, I will wish that the Holy Spirit abides on me for just five minutes than to receive a million dollars. That's how important someone, this great man of faith, realized the presence of the Spirit. He said that the Spirit will be on me for five minutes. It's more valuable than one million dollars in my bank account. You ought to know the luxury of the Spirit. Because you see, God is the piper. We are the fruit. The wind is the Spirit. The more the wind, Anytime I take the trumpet, because I'm not a trumpeter, I don't know how much sound or how much air I have to put. You know, a lot of us have tried, tried it before you take a saxophone or a trumpet. And you're like, you're wondering how these guys are able to make a sound. They know how to trap the wind inside the flute. But I don't know. So I just, it's like an extension of my, uh, my breathing. So I don't hear anything. But enough wind concentrated and condensed in the proper vessel will produce a melodious sound. We are not producing melodious sounds to the world. Because we are not being filled. But when we are filled, glory to God. You know the beauty about being filled? 
The beauty about being filled is that we don't just make sounds. God now plays through us. So that it's as if you are observing God working through you without your own participation. You just became a golden pipe by which God distilled his glories into the lives of people. Anytime I'm struggling to minister, I realize I'm, I'm using effort. I'm thinking about what people are thinking. Then I realize that the pipe of God is not fully clear. So when God blows the wind, there are hindrances. But when I'm fully filled, saturated, imbued by the Spirit, the melodious sound of God, that's where I'm healing people, but it's not Adam anymore. It's not even about how long I prayed before I came to preach. It's about the Holy Ghost who is having free access to release. And how do I get healed? If I pray 10 hours and come and watch movies for two hours and I get clogged, by disobeying and walking out of the spirit. Though I prayed 10 hours, I was not in the spirit, so I was still not minister as the spirit ought. So when the spirit tells you, drop your phone, you're watching a movie, the Holy Spirit tells you, it's okay. You're like, Lord, but it's not ended. He says, it's okay, it ends here. The Holy Spirit tells you that no more horror movies, no more vampire movies. Don't go like that, ah, but Lord, this says entertainment. Don't argue with the Lord. You have no idea what you are missing out and shortchanging in your life. The Holy Spirit is so important. Catherine Kuma always says, don't grieve him. He's the most important person to me in this life. And I just encourage you today, is the renewing of the spirit. And the word renewing, there's anachinosis, which means to say, the ability to manifest recessive traits of ancient progeny in a present creature. So what it means is this, that there are certain elements of God we saw through fathers and men of faith over the years, but there are other parts of God that has not yet been manifested. Once we allow the Lord, to work his renewing purposes in us, I'm telling you, every hour, every second of the day, you don't need to even pray to go and heal somebody. You are already in the spirit to heal the person. The reason why you go like, oh, I'm not too, I'm not too, I'm not too filled to heal or raise the dead is because we don't walk in the spirit 24-7. We work in the spirit per session or per time we need him. So it's like he's a plug. I'm going to pray. So no, 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 no. Walking in the spirit means I'm doing everything with the Lord. I sit down to watch a movie with the Lord. If the movie is not good enough, I'll walk away. If I sit down and watch a movie with the Lord, you'll be surprised that whilst people are getting entertained, I'm getting revelation. And I'm just learning things in the spirit and it's so much of a blessing. If I'm in the spirit, God will tell me that spend your strongest hours studying my word and your weakest hours spending it on entertainment. So that, you see, I spend my best day reading, studying, praying, spending time with the Holy Spirit and when I'm tired, that's when the TV comes in. When I'm tired, that's when my phone comes in. But I don't give my phone 24 hours. I give my phone 20 hours and expect to be filled all the time. No, there's a lot of garbage that's flowing on the internet today. And sometimes you are even staying on the word of God. By the time you realize someone is making an advert, you sometimes today now you can even watch a gospel message and all of a sudden, there's an advert about carrots. There's an advert about... Uh, <laughs> Uh, uh, what it was facial enhanced anivia product and if i mean i mean you, you, you just get distracted that oh this product is so nice and whilst you're watching the message as the holy spirit said you've detracted sometimes you're even speaking in tongues the holy spirit said spend one hour with me as you're speaking in tongues rabba, 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 you just said here beep on your phone ping, and you go to your phone so you don't have effective time with the spirit if only we allow the holy spirit to fill us to strengthen us we will become walking missiles of god 
No location can contain us. We are explosive everywhere. We'll blast everything Satan is doing in any vicinity because we have become the full representation, the full strength, the full manifestation of God by the infilling of the Spirit. We become witnesses of divine power that flows through us. Let us be filled, but much more, not once, but be being filled. So whether you have a program or not, whether you are going to church or not, if you are going to visit your, visit your friend, go in the Spirit. If you are going to visit a cousin, go in the Spirit. A party, go in the Spirit. A family meeting, go in the Spirit. Though it seems mundane, go in the Spirit. You are praying at a wedding reception. I know you've prayed 100 times. Still ask the Spirit, what exactly should I pray? So your prayer becomes prophetic. In case something is wrong in the marriage that has not been addressed, your prayer will solve it at the closing prayer of that reception. Go in the Spirit at every, in every situation. And you'll be surprised. you sit in a plane and the Spirit will tell you, that's a convent. You walk and you see that person, go speak to him. And you'll be surprised that all the people who help will be the very help we also need at the end of the day. May the Lord bless us and cause his grace and ability to fall upon us in Jesus' precious mighty name. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, Prophet Eden. Um, thank you so much, sir. Um, let us just pray. Let us just thank God for the word that we have received. Let us thank him for, um, for his instruction that he has given us this morning, for the light that indeed has entered our hearts. Let us bless the name of the Lord. Father, we just give you praise. We thank you, Lord. God. We worship you. Thank you, Lord, for feeding us this morning. Let us even begin to ask for an infilling of the Spirit of God this morning. Spirit Father, teach us, oh God, show us, oh God, how to partner and 
how to submit your spirit, O God. As many as led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. The true mark of our sonship is in our flowing, our feeling in the infinite of the Spirit in our lives. Establish us this morning as your sons in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' precious name. In Jesus' precious name. Our Lord and our God, we still thank you. We thank you, O God. Father, we bless your name. We thank you for your word that has come to us this morning. We thank you for your word that says, Lord, that it is the sons of God that are led by the Spirit of God. My Father, as many are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And so, Father, we ask, O God, that this morning we begin to walk in that understanding, O God, of sonship. We begin to walk in this understanding of sonship, O God, that it is by the infilling of your spirit that we can fully lay hold on everything you have portioned for us as sons. My Lord and my God, I pray, O God, that you even by your spirit release your grace, O God, even to surrender and submit to your will. In the name of Jesus, Father, this morning we pray, O God, like never before, that we will be filled by your spirit. Not just just this morning, but for the rest of our lives. You will teach us how to steward the presence of the spirit. You will teach us how to steward the partnership of the spirit. You will teach us how to steward the infilling of your spirit. In the mighty name of Jesus, my Lord and my God, I pray that each and every one of us will begin to surrender to you, O God. Father, no more will we strive with your spirit. No more will we struggle to have our way. But Father, we would always, always have that willingness, O God. We would have a heart that is willing because it is the day of the Lord. And so, my Father, I pray that the hearts of men, the hearts of men will be willing, O God, to do your will. Our hearts will be willing, O God, unto your voice. In the mighty name of Jesus. Yes. And we thank you, O God, because we are your army, O God. And you, Christ Jesus, you go before us as our chief commanding officer. Father, we pray, O God, that we would always set the image of Christ, the template of Christ, the life of Christ, the word of God, which speaks of the life of Christ. It would always be set before us. You would teach us, O God, how to prioritize your word. You would make us wise, O God. You will show us, Lord, how to work stronger, O God, by studying your word. You will show us, O God, how how to redeem the time of our lives, oh God, in the name of Jesus. Father, we pray, oh God, that by wisdom, oh God, your word says that wisdom is the stability of the, we shall be the stability of the times. And so, Father, we pray, oh God, that you would even impart your wisdom upon us today, oh God. Wisdom, Lord, to, to wage war over our lives. Wisdom, oh God, wisdom, knowledge, and understanding, oh God, knowledge, oh God, that gives us the ability <clears throat> to dominate everything that you have called us to. In the the mighty name of Jesus. Father, no more shall we be children that walk in darkness. No more shall we walk in ignorance because we know that your word continues to bring light into our lives. Therefore, we become light, oh God. Father, we pray that the weightiness, oh God, that comes from waiting, oh God, upon you is released upon us today in the mighty name of Jesus. No more shall we walk around, oh God. 
as as, mm -hmm. as an easy prey or as, as an easy target mm -hmm. to the enemy we will not mm -hmm. be easily tossed aside oh god by any mm -hmm. wind of doctrine but we will be filled mm -hmm. with the wind of your spirit oh god mm -hmm. therefore we will become weighty mm -hmm. and strong oh god we will become mm -hmm. strong spiritual entities oh god in the mighty name of jesus by the empowerment of your spirit not by our power or by our might but by the infilling of your spirit lord father for you are the potter and we are the clay and so father we give ourselves to be molded by you per time yes, per season yes. in the mighty name of jesus father we ask mm -hmm. that you just come and you have your way and that you do your will oh god as we mm -hmm. go forth in this journey father we thank you lord for the lights that we have received thus far as we keep pressing oh god we keep pressing in you we keep walking by your spirit and we keep feasting on your word oh god father cause our lives to be transformed to the image of christ fully mm -hmm. teach us to live the life oh god the life that is that that is lived that is lived ready to die, ready to die for Christ, oh God. Show mm. us, Lord, not to even consider ourselves, Lord, above the will of God, but help mm. us, Lord, to, cons to constantly surrender to you, oh God, in the mighty mm. name of Jesus. It is our Amen. desire this morning, Lord, to constantly seek and to do your will. Father, yes, give us the grace in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you because you have given it to us and we receive your grace. Just say, Father, I receive your grace. I receive the grace to do your will. Declare it over your life. Accept it because he has released it. He makes grace available. He said, ask and I shall give unto you. So we are asking for grace and we must believe that he has released this grace. And so, Father, we thank you, O God, because we are walking in grace. We thank you, O God, because as we have come before your throne of grace, we have made a withdrawal, O God, and we continue to walk in this grace in the mighty name of jesus amen and amen amen prophet Ellen, thank you so much god bless you thank you so much for bringing the word of god to us um is prophet Ellen still on the call or has he gone oh, okay please can we just can we just pray can we just um pray over prophet Ellen and just release the blessings of god over him that as he has as he has as he has spoken god's word and released the word of god that god will bless him the lord will impart wisdom upon him the lord will continue and increase him the lord will make his word new upon him every morning he will never lack and amen. Thank you again, Prophet Adam. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God Thank bless you. you. Thank you for joining. Um, we continue tomorrow. Um, we continue in prayer rain tomorrow. Tomorrow is day eight. We are going 21 days. Please, let's stay praying. Let's stay fasting. Let's stay in the word of God. Let's stay in the will of God. Let's stay, you know, gleaning from his spirit. And I know that the Lord will continue to release his grace and his strength 